back to Over Here, the podcast from Outside of Music. My name is Nick Finzer, and today we're talking with Alan Blanchard about the This Is Jazz playlist, where we every month come up with 10 tracks of new releases and share them with all of you. They're not in numerical order, and Alan likes to point that out each and every month, that they're just 10 tracks uh, that he's enjoying, uh, and we're talking about those. There's lots more, and uh, not saying one is better than the next, but there's so much good music happening, we're glad we're going to be able to share this with you. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in. Uh, if you get any weirdness with the audio, please feel free to just kind of skip ahead 15 seconds or 20 seconds on uh, the podcast app, because... Uh, we had a little bit of connection issue currently right now. I am in Boston, Logan Airport, about to uh, fly to Amsterdam for a week of gigs. So sometimes when you're not in ideal conditions, the audio doesn't turn out ideal. So thanks again so much for being here, and please enjoy this conversation. All right, so we're back with Alan Blanchard, and we're talking about October 2018 and all the new releases on the This Is Jazz Today playlist on Outside of Music's Spotify channel. If you haven't gone over there and subscribed to the playlist, you might want to do that so you can follow along uh, through everything. And so welcome back, Alan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, glad you could be here. And uh, I would guess that, uh, judging by every week how many messages I was getting from people about different stuff, that you were a little overwhelmed with how much stuff came out this month. Yes, there was a lot to... Uh work through and it was not easy <laughs> to try and pick things yeah so we're back to uh you know post grammy every everyone is trying to put out new music for the new the new year and uh gearing up for fall touring and all that kind of stuff and so it might sound a little different today we're kind of on a tight schedule in the, in boston on my way to amsterdam for some gigs this week but i'm glad we could squeeze this in to get it out to the people. But uh, why don't we just jump right in and tell us about this track uh, that you picked as number 10 for this month. Yeah, um, and again, I'll just preface like I do every week. Forgive me if I mispronounce anyone's name. Um, so sure. number 10 I picked, um, it's off his album Where the River Goes by Wolfgang Moosefiel. Um It's his quintet, and I picked the title track of it, Where the River Goes. Um, which, you know, is a great band, which I actually did not know about this band. I was unfamiliar with uh, Wolfgang Kursov, who's, you know, the Austrian guitarist. Um, but the band's phenomenal with Eric Harlan, Larry Grenadier, Brad Meldau, and Ambrose Akinsmuir, um, and just blows me away. Um, I know listening to it, uh, the album that I related it to was um, like Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band, and that album Landmarks where I feel like it's kind of more, uh, uh, the, the pieces are a little bit more thematic, even though they're several uh, separate tracks, where they're more like works rather than just like, here's a standard or here's like a standalone tune, you know? Um, sure, yeah, totally. And I, I think even the, which is, I don't know, I think that's a little bit more common nowadays uh, with where some people are taking their albums and their concepts and it's, even the soloing on it, like there's not necessarily clear, like here's so-and-so solo. It's all, it's a lot more collaborative in that sense. Um, but I think sure, people yeah, really enjoy that. Definitely stacked band. Oh yeah. And I mean, especially it, with the type of band that it is too, they're able to go in a lot of different directions. You know, they're very, uh, you know, with people like Brad Meldow playing, you don't ever know where he's necessarily going to go with stuff. 
Yeah. So it, it keeps you entertained and uh, entertained like that really well. Nice. And so this is a record of all of Wolfgang's music. Yes. So my understanding is that uh, he composes all of it, and you know, this one starts off with him playing guitar um, a little bit out front by himself before Brad Meadow comes in and whatnot. But yeah, it is. It fell on uh, ECM, I think, too. But great record, and it, and it really inspired me to start checking out some of their older stuff that they've done together too, because uh, I think they oh, put so out. This isn't their first time. No, they put out uh, Rising Grace. Um, back in 2016, which also had the same band, uh, but it had Brian Blade actually, then uh, rather than Eric Harland, which you know could make sense as to why I thought it reminded me of you know his fellowship band. Sure, yeah, yeah. and give uh, Eric Harland record out today, Ambrose record out last month. All these guys putting tons yeah, of stuff and out. a new Braxton Cook record out today. Like it's just everything's coming out, man. Everything, everything. Awesome. Well, I'll have to check that one out. So let's move on. We'll keep moving to number nine, featuring the man you just uh, brought up, Braxton Cook. Yeah, so this is a um, single uh, put out by Marquis Hill called Kiss and Tell, um, and it features Braxton Cook and uh, Rachel Robinson and then uh, Marquis Hill's band. But what was interesting about this is it's a lot um, – the mix on it to me was a little bit more um, pop, pop like popular music of a mix that you would hear. Like the bass is really heavy in it. Um, and it just has, you know, a lot of like an R&B influence like we hear with Marquis Hill and all. And it's it's a great tune. It, you know, it's something that, um, it's it's what you'd expect him to play. But it's you know it's able to show us kind of this direction that he's taking the music with more of an R&B influence, and 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 something that's gonna you know only become more and more popular I feel as the time goes on and whatnot. And it's cool to hear how he uses vibraphone because you know it's not a super common thing to have in a in a quintet like that. Yeah, and that's Joel Ross on vibes. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and then so this is off of his new record, uh, Sounds of the City, which I think comes out next week. Okay, um, so this is the single from that. Yeah, I think that comes out November 8th. Could be. I might be wrong. Or did Sounds of the City already come out? That might be his first album that already came out in 2012. I, gotta, I lose track of it because he released Sounds of the City like the song a while back. But I think it's his record, and he just redid this tune. Hmm. That's cool, though. Yeah, he released his record in 2012, and he redid the song on it. That makes sense. So it's a new version of that tune. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And I know Braxton is on the road now, too. He's promoting his new record, obviously, that came out today. And uh, so, I mean, what do you make of that kind of R&B-influenced vibe? How do you see that? In relationship to, you know, you're a little bit younger than me. Do you, do you feel like that's the direction <laughs> that a lot of the younger musicians are going, or is it just kind of want a, kind of a pocket of musicians that are doing that sort of stuff? Um, I think that Marty is kind of on the extreme of it with his influences, his playing, like it's very present in his music. Um, but personally believe that we're more and more of it 
brought in. I think stuff like that with the way that people are in harmony go through their tune in the intro um instrumentation in a lot of cases. There's a, a vibe of fear that writes an R and B influence and it's just it's inevitable. Um I mean there's even another track on this playlist that we'll talk about a little bit later that has um someone rapping over it. And I think we're gonna start to see more and more of that uh blending a little bit of of the cultures there with you know, especially with um people like Nick Payton who who pushes the idea of the black American music and, and that influences that he does with his DJing and, and the people DJing over his music and, and all that influence, you know? Mhm. Totally. That's interesting. It's cool though. I mean, it's, it's always everything's moving forward, and it's awesome. I just—it's uh, hard for me. I like to say I don't hear the music that way, and I feel awkward when I play. But if I tried to play in that context, that doesn't really mean anything really. It's just interesting. As an observer, right? Uh, okay, well, let's keep going. We're up to seven, eight. Uh, I know I'm probably your. Uh, Trying to make sure you include trombonists, so I don't give you a hard time. But uh, <laughs> Michael B's here. Yeah, I mean, we joke about it all the time. The uh, the lack of jazz trombone or trombone that you see nowadays at all. Um, but yeah, a great album put out by Michael B's called Bonafide. Um, I ended up picking his version of the standard tenor madness on here, um, which features him and his trio of David Hazeltine, uh, Todd Kuhlman, and E.J. Strickland. Um, it's a great record overall, which he actually has like a lot of other trombonists on there, like Conrad uh, Herwig and Marshall Gilks, and then the bass trombonist. It was one of the students at Michigan State. I got the chance to meet Gina uh, Benalassar, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Could easily be wrong there. And then the tennis sax player, uh, Sam Dillon. But it's a great... Uh, you know, great album. It was enjoy- it's enjoyable to listen to. You know, you're gonna put it on. It's certainly, you know, more straight ahead than than Marquise Hill or uh the Wolfgang album. But, you know, he does his own arrangements of the music and has uh, a great take on it and in, in my opinion. He even has some, you know, other tracks on there that have, that are inspired by the people, like they got theme for Basie and whatnot, which I think features all the trombonists and him. So it's it's kinda cool. You know, one of those very few moments where you hear like a trombone ensemble uh, accompanied with a uh, rhythm section on an, on a killing album, you know? I hear that all the time. I, I guess you're just not speaking in a jazz trombone. Yeah, I can't say I'm checking uh, <laughs> out that much jazz trombone ensembles. Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, everybody should be. I mean, it, it, it has its place. Clearly. Oh, sure. You know, there's so many of them that have come through the history and all. Hey, man, trombone. Used to rule the world. Glenn Miller, Tom Dorsey, you know. They were, they were big stars. You are completely right. <laughs> but anyway, well, I digress. Um, next we have, oh, cool, a legendary uh, Keith Jarrett take on yeah. Standard as well. Yeah, so this is... Um, a solo piano concert that he did, or at least the tracks I've listened to are solo piano. I'm fairly sure it's solo piano and not trio. At um, this venue in Venice from 2006, and they finally started releasing it. And it was interesting how they separated it because uh, (laughs) 
there's some of them like Stella, which have, you know, this is Stella and this is him playing Stella. But a lot of it is just like, here's part one, here's part two, part three, um, which, you know, is very, uh, I could see exactly why or how that could have happened at a Keith Jarrett concert. Um, but very enjoyable. Yeah, listening kind of, always I, a huge fan of seeing. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm always a fan of listening to Keith Jarrett and, and seeing the sometimes obscure places that he takes a standard and, and how, uh, how he's able to manipulate it into the things that he's hearing and whatnot. It's, it's always a real treat to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a throwback to all the stuff that you did, you know, 20 years ago. That's so famous, well-known right. pianist now. Right. And I, 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 I think it's also cool that you, and, and, you know, we had this a couple of weeks ago too, with older um, records finally being released and whatnot, like with obviously the Coltrane record that came out, which was a big deal. Um, and even that Woody Shaw one. So that's kind of cool, again, you know, to see these older records from people that we already consider, like Jazz Giants and whatnot, to be uh, to be released. Yeah, it's always cool to be able to, you know, get a sneak peek into something that <clears throat> maybe didn't come out right away and go back and see what they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's keep moving. We're in the pianist zone here while we're staying there. Um, yeah. New record from very, very influential pianist, at least on my generation for sure, uh, with his record Invisible Cinema. When that one came out, that was a really big deal. So that's Aaron Parks and his new record, Little Big. Yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of Aaron Parks, and I kind of got into him when I was checking out uh, – I think I checked out Brad Meldow first and then Aaron Parks came. Um, and so, like you said, he just released his new album, um, Little Big, which is – uh, phenomenal. It features a quartet of uh, drums, bass, guitar, and him, and they just, um, you know, take it to new, to new, new places. With a lot of, uh, he plays keyboard on some of the tracks, piano on some of the tracks. The one I picked, Kid, is uh, the first album on the track, and it's very, um, I don't want to say aggressive, driving and kind of in your face, um, and that which kind of aggressive <laughs> but it's it's very high energy and just you know it's always he's just influential trying to see like how he conceptualizes music and where he's going to take it and it's interesting seeing him um like hearing this record now after being able to see him with uh ben wendell and how you know hearing his style played in that setting now introduced again back into him as a band leader playing his music and that and which ways he hears it and where it's going to go and whatnot definitely recommend people checking this record out yeah i mean he's a such a prolific sideman these days playing on so many people's projects he's kind of started to yeah you know be on everyone's everyone's projects so um, especially going back to his years with terrence yeah, he's played with everybody at this point. And yeah. I think uh, I, when I was checking out this record, I don't know how much of it you've checked out. It's kind of a long record, but there's like a one solo piano track on there. I think it's called Lilac, maybe? Yeah, I think Pretty, Lilac is the one that is uh, solo piano. It is a yeah, rock, long record, though. Uh, it really is. But it's it's that's good, though, because like then there's 
I personally, I know that I won't listen to this start to finish. So then I'll come back somewhere else and be able to pick back up, you know, and mm-hmm. still have a good about a good amount of music to go back and listen to. Yeah, I mean, I guess people. It seems like people are starting to kind of move towards either direction. Either it's very long and not worrying about putting, uh, you know, the music it needs to fit on a CD length, like like Ben Wendell's record that you have on this list. It's pretty long; wouldn't wouldn't fit on yeah. a CD normally. Or that maybe even like this next one, like Amber's new record, is a bit on the shorter side. Right, and so it, it is a little interesting to see kind of like where where people lie with that, you know especially where I feel like a lot of more people were seeing, you know, they might have 15 or 16 tracks. So like some of the tracks might only be a minute or a minute and 20 seconds of like music moving from one to another, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are starting to think about more usages for their music and trying to make moods and not just play tunes. I mean, it's in the same way that, right. you know, guys used to. Right. Right. So let's, let's, uh, let's keep going with something that's right in that. Kind of direction from Ambrose. Yeah, talking about creating moods rather than just playing tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, Ambrose's new record that came out, Origami Harvest, is out on Blue Note. Um, I picked the first track off of here because um, it was different. And it was really something that I listened to a couple times before. I think I really uh, appreciated the entire track. But he features. Um, the New York Nevos string quartet on here. He has uh, Cool AD rapping on here, Marcus Gilmore playing drums, uh, Sam Harris playing piano, and there's a bunch of different musicians on here, um, you know, almost the size of, like, a small pit orchestra or something at that point. But it just creates, you know, like, this concept of a soundscape, and you start off with a, with a string quartet until moving on, and then finally in the middle of the track is where... Um, he starts rapping over it and with Ambrose playing behind it. And so it's, it's a real interesting concept. I think this kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the influence of rap and, and um, uh, R&B becoming more and more prevalent, um, you know, which I mean, te- really you could go all the way back to like the last poet um, with the bird's word and that rap and how that relates to jazz. But we're starting to see it influence, I feel like in a different way than maybe back then where they're just two genres that might have referenced each other where now it's almost like bleeding together and, and, and just blending into a new version of like a fusion or whatever you want to call it, you know? Yeah. It's definitely like, yeah, like just like you're saying, blended, feeding off each other. It's, it's one thing, you know, it's like one concept that's improvisation driven on the instrumental side and also on the vocal side with the, the rapping or freestyling, whatever. They, I don't exactly know how it was all set up. I didn't get the chance to read <laughs> right. read all the backstory behind it. But I would imagine that this particular record has kind of an extensive backstory. Did you get to check any of that out? Um, I didn't, but I think, you know, it's not... Um, I feel like Ambrose is the person that has uh, a very set... Um, concept when he approaches going to um, writing an album and especially with like I know that this was a commissioned work and you know Walter Smith also on this album and it just goes into you know some political concepts and 
societal concepts based upon what I've been hearing on it. I didn't do any of the reading, but I think, you know, he just tried something that he finds needing to be referenced or talked about and then fits through essentially the influence of Rafi, which we could all say is like very much um, to the pop popular music scene right now. And then adds that um, level of improvisation and whatnot on top of it. So it's, you know, it's a great album altogether. And I think people will really to listen to it as long as they approach it with, you know, an open mind and, and be uh, realize it's not going to be straight ahead. It's, it's Ambrose's yeah, right. thing, you know, his soundscape. Right, right, right. Yeah, it fits right in with a lot of the other stuff that he's been doing. Right. Which makes me remember, you know, in the order that we kind of did these things, that there was that duo record of um, Ambrose and Aaron Parks that came out, I guess that was about like probably 10 or 15 years ago now. Do you know that record? I don't, actually. But it's going to, like, I'm, I'm writing it down as we speak because I definitely want to go check that out. Yeah, and it's actually, they're just playing tunes. Like, they play stable names. I've used that as an example <laughs> a bunch of times because they're just, like, yeah. putting their vocabulary and their sensibilities over something that every, you know, jazz musician coming up is trying to figure out how to deal with. Right, right, right. Awesome. Speaking of tunes that we're uh, trying, everybody's trying to deal with, I guess uh, we'll have all for Bob here from... Brad Maldow and the recently passed on Charlie Hayden. Yeah, this was a uh, great album that I that I came across uh, with Charlie Hayden and Brad Maldow doing duo back from a concert in uh, 2007 uh, live at the at live at Enjoy Jazz Festival, um, and they you know do great standards off of uh, My Old Flame on here. Um, and, and a bunch of tunes and, you know, like I've said before, I'm always a fan of hearing live albums, um, because then you like, that's how it happened and <laughs> that's how it's going to stay. Um, and it was interesting for me to hear uh, how Charlie Hayden and Brad Maddow interacted together. Um, because, you know, Brad Maddow is again, one of those people that just, he could be going one way and then somehow is... <laughs> the exact opposite way and you just got to be able to be so focused and and uh listening to be able to interact at that level it's it's incredible you know yeah it's not only like listening but it's a certain amount of intuition and kind of being so familiar with each other musically and just yeah that, that trust in their skill and in their musicianship so it kind of is like yeah it goes super deep you know yeah and i know <laughs> You know, you you kind of hit the um, nail on the head right there with trust, because to be able to even trust yourself to make some of those decisions sometimes um, when you're in that type of situation, you know, duo is by no means easy. Um, so it's interesting. It's also always interesting to see, like, how they get out of what they got themselves into, mm-hmm. because with uh, <laughs> Brad Mildell and all, you know, you might start a tune. But if you started that tune halfway through, you might be wondering where he is. Yeah, right. Totally. It's, uh, it goes in a lot of interesting places, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so after that, we've got something, I guess, completely different here. I couldn't expect you yeah. to put together a playlist with 
something that went and put that that you did not want to include. So I'm glad to see that you included Yeah, it. I mean, why would I do that? Am I right? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, Jazz and Lincoln Center just released their new album, um, Una Noche con Ruben Blades. Uh, probably slaughtered that even after taking many years of Spanish, um, A Night with Ruben Blades. And they do... You know, it's it's kind of a long album, again, that we're talking about. They do some um, standards or or very popular songs, I guess you could say, like Fever and whatnot, um, and they can't take that away from me. But it was really interesting for me to hear um, Lincoln Center's approach to, like, I mean, I don't want to say that they haven't done authentic, but, like, Lincoln Center a- acting as, like, a Latin big band would act in, in that regard, you know working with uh, Ruben Blades, uh, great Panamanian singer and whatnot. And so it was cool. One of the songs I picked uh, was uh, Bon Bon Carey, which is just, you know, it's just something that I enjoyed. And it's always cool to hear, like, all the different um, polyphony and, and the, the different rhythms and, and counterlines going against each other in, in Latin music. And so that that's what I really enjoyed about it. And, of course, he's, you know, a great vocalist out in front of the band. Um, and if I'm correct, I also think that this was a live recorded album too. So I think it was from one of yep, their uh, nights that they did like a residency. I'm sure. Yeah. Probably the Rose Hall or something in the city. Yeah. And so, and it was, it was cool because, you know, even though it is jazz at Lincoln Center and whatnot, Carlos uh, Enriquez kind of took the lead on it um, as the music director for this one. And so it, it was a uh, um it's very enjoyable to check out. And so it features, you know, him and then Lincoln Center and then uh, some of the vocalists like Eddie Rosado and percussionists uh, on there to help add in some of the extra um, percussions that obviously just one person alone could not do. Yeah, of course, and that's the interaction between all the all that that creates the, the vibe. Not, you know, it's not just they don't have a drum set. You know, it's like all of that together that makes the vibe. Right. Uh, excellent. And then a new and quite different project from everyone's favorite bass player, Christian Pride. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to this album being released. And don't get me wrong, I still very much enjoy the album. I didn't, don't mean to sound like I don't, but it's uh, it's Christian McBride's uh, album, New John, which is actually on his uh, his recently launched imprint of his under Mac Avenue called uh, Brother Mr. Oh, Productions. Nice. Okay. Um, and so it, it's interesting. You know, I looked up what John uh, meant, which is supposedly a slang term from Philly um, that basically just means like it's a person, a place, or a thing. <laughs> so it's Christian McBride's new thing. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's very much, first off, it's cordless. So it's just drums, uh, bass, trumpet, and sax which is something new that, you know, it's not like I've at least heard him do it, him do it like that. Uh, has Josh Evans playing trumpet, Marcus Strickland on um, tenor sax, and Nasheed Waits playing drums. Um, and I ended up picking one of the more straight-ahead tunes that was on there. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's avant-garde or anything like that, but it's like Christian's take on on a, a more modern approach in the, in that respect. 
of having some more of like a, a free influence without having the chordal instrument and he being the main person holding down where the harmony goes and how he's going to respond to the soloists rather than having a piano, mm-hmm. you know, laying out six or seven note voicings. So I think so people would definitely um, enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, he's played with everybody. I saw him play with Chick and Brian Blade a couple times. And, you know, I'm sure he's got that part of him as well as, well as what he does normally, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a new thing. And I think um, I would just say to people, like, don't go into it expecting, you know, your normal Christian McBride trio. It's certainly not that, but it's a, it's a great band that he's put together and a great record. Sure. Yeah. And it seems like they've been super busy touring a lot and playing the music. Oh, yeah. At least that's how it seems. I mean, oh, of course. I mean, look, if you got that kind of a band put together, like, who's not going to want to hire them, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us to our number one track for this month. I'll let you yeah, uh, um, run it down. Yeah, I, for the number one track, I pick um, Ben Wendell's new album, The Season. Um, and in hindsight, you know, I probably should have picked October, uh, but I ended up picking the February <laughs> track off of here. Um, and so the band features Galad, uh, Hebelman, Aaron Parks, Matt Bremer, and Eric Harlan. Um, and I think we, we talked about a l- little bit uh, a while back when, um, he released some of the singles off of it. So what he did mm-hmm. was he has first off two projects called the season. He has the one where it's, uh, that he released on YouTube where it's him doing duos um, with different people and he wrote different pieces for them. And, um, but this is, it's also heavily influenced by Tchaikovsky's this season. So it goes through all 12 of the seasons and it's a very long record like we were talking about um, earlier. And, um, but it was interesting hearing him talk about it when he came and actually performed with uh, some of the members of this band. Um, here at Florida State because he talked about, you know, even though that it's influenced by Tchaikovsky, he also did write each individual song with someone else in mind. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And if you go, you know, his website and read about it, he, he has a lot more information there talking about, you know, who he wrote for and, and something like that. But he, it just, uh, it's really cool to see these uh, re-interpretations um, of like these famous classical pieces or works um, you know, which obviously goes back to like Ellington and the Nutcracker Suite and, and so many other things. Um, or the, uh, you know, people have done the versions of, uh, the Rite of Spring with the Bad Flush Trio and whatnot. So very, uh, very good record. I think people will be very enjoyed with it. it covers a broad spectrum of, of types of, uh, you know, what, whether it's a ballad or whether it's more in your face or whatnot, broad spectrum of that. But, you know, it's it's incredible always hearing uh, Ben Wendell play and the, the just the virtuosity that he has on the tenor sax and uh, his use of pedals and whatnot and all that. Yeah, I mean he's a force of nature. That guy releasing so much music and videos and stuff. Did you see the thing he released the other day? Did you have a video with Linda O. I did. Uh, that was yeah ridiculous when he was playing bassoon and they were doing uh what was it all blues all blues um that was nuts and because first off that's one of the very few times i think i've ever seen jazz bassoon 
Yeah, or at least sure. someone that is so willing to double and play jazz bassoon. But it's killing, you know? Yeah, it's great. Like, that's what, that was like the first instrument. Yeah, which it's yeah. not, you know, to see where someone is now after starting off on bassoon. You know, there's still hope for you. You could switch from trombone. Oh, I see. That's a personal attack time here. I see. Switch to, uh, <laughs> they get made a switch to, what do you, what do you think? Should I play trumpet instead? Uh, maybe tenor sax, you know. Uh, oh, tenor sax, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they get, they get a good amount of just wiggle and blow. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Alan, thanks so much for putting together the playlist, as always. And really appreciate uh, your time to tell all of us about what you picked and um, looking forward to some of these records that I haven't checked out yet. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. All right, we'll be back next month with the November edition of the This Is Jazz playlist. If you want to find it, you can go on over to Spotify and find the Outside of Music account, and the playlist is right there uh, for your enjoyment. And it has everything, actually, from the whole year, so you can go back and see all 10 tracks from all of 2018 and uh, much more to come. So, Alan, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, take care. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the This Is Jazz playlist. My name is Nick Finzer, and we're here each and every month and each and every week with new podcasts. So thanks for your time and your attention, and we'll see you back here in just a week.